This morning's scripture is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Let me take verse 7 again. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Amen. We will receive the administration of Mrs. Patamatefio. You know her already. She's come to tell us something powerful this morning for us to take home. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our Father, we thank you so very much. Thank you so much for blessing us today. And Father, please put me aside and you take over. From this minute, O oh Lord, let no word come from my mouth which is not from you. But Father, when your word comes, O oh Lord, let it do the work it has to do. To quicken us, to motivate us, to spare us on. In Jesus' name I have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. The Bible verse we read today from 2 Timothy, Paul was in prison at the time. He was in captive, and he knew that the end was near. He had a son. Oh, sorry. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the word of God, and thank God so much for giving me a word for you. Sorry. Well, Paul was in captivity, and he knew the end was near. He had a son, Timothy, and he wanted, he was thinking about Timothy and how Timothy had come this far, and he traced the source of Timothy's faith to the mother and to the grandmother. And then he admonished Timothy, not just to take the faith, but to stir it up. And here I want you to notice the word stir up because today I'm going to encourage mothers to stir up the faith that is in you, not to just live a normal life of home to work and work home, but to stir up the gift that is in you. And then Paul said something. He said, in stirring up that gift in you, remember God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. But why did he start with God has not given you a spirit of fear? It kind of connotes that what I'm asking you to do, ordinarily you should be afraid. But know that if you are afraid, that spirit of fear is not from God. But what has God given to you? 
He's giving you a spirit of love. And so much love that you cannot keep quiet. So much love consuming you that you have to do something about the situation. Apathy is not of God. And if you are sitting here as a mother and you think you don't want trouble and you, you are not going to muddy the waters, remember that Jesus, when he came to earth, he came looking for trouble and he found it. And if we followers of Jesus, we decide not to look for trouble, then we are not being Christ-like because at certain times we are called upon to stir up the gift that God has placed within us. And in doing so, we should not be afraid. Because motherhood is a role. And that is why I think, especially in our African context, every woman is a mother. Because it's not the fact, the biological fact of being a mother that we celebrate today. Of course not. Otherwise, if your 15-year-old comes to tell you she's pregnant, then you would be happy because she's going to give birth to a child. It is the role, it is that, and that responsibility of, of nurturing a child. And to that extent, many, 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 almost every woman in our context has a child to nurture. So we do not limit this day to biological mothers, to everybody who has mothered, not necessarily even a child, but a colleague, a family member, we celebrate you. And I always insist that when we celebrate mothers, we should not think by implicit information that we are not celebrating fathers. Because there are many fathers busily mothering their children. Because to mother is to care for and to protect as a mother. And I know that seated here and out there are many, many phenomenal men holding the fort, joined side by side with their wives to raise their children. To all such men, we share our day with you. Happy Mother's Day to us all. But because today is Mother's Day, so it will, well, for those who do not understand, when we went to school at the end of the school year, it was our day, and we could bring any food we like, and we celebrated, and it was not the teacher's day, it was our day. So today is our day, and we are going to celebrate. We are called by God to be universal mothers. Don't just think about your children, one, two, three, but whoever God brings your way to mother, you mother. And in that vein, all mothers in Ghana today, we stand by our sisters who cannot find their children. We don't know how they're coping. We share a prayer for them. And we pray, oh Lord, Master, the tempest is raging. Carest thou not that our daughters perish? Father, speak, whisper, peace, be still. And Father, let it not tarry. So that all mothers in Ghana will hear the good news that our daughters have been found. Oh, the, what rejoicing there will be in the land, not only for the biological mothers, but for all mothers. And today I pray for all mothers who are suffering in one way or the other, 
the Lord will come through to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are different types of children. There are some children when you tell them, sit down, they sit. Go, they go. Eat, they eat. Sleep, you sleep, they sleep. Mother, if you are blessed with such a child, praise God. There are also some children, when you say sit down, they are running. When you say keep quiet, they are singing. When you say don't buy it, they have paid. They are waiting for the change. If you have been blessed with such a child, thank God too. Actually, thank God so much because that child will build character within you. That your ability to love children unconditionally, irrespective of what, how they come and how they are wired, makes you Christ-like. Because that is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. He loved the world, everybody. The obedient ones, the disobedient ones, the compliant ones, the self-willed ones. God loves us all. So if you are here with a healthy child, with healthy children, thank God. If you are here with children who are not so well, every moment they are ill, don't worry. Thank God too. Because taking care of that child, going up and down, is making you Christ-like. Is building character. It's making you strong. So, irrespective of which children God has blessed you with, God knew the child that is perfect for you. And God gave that child to you. And raised that child with joy. And raised that child knowing that the God who gave that child to you is the one who is helping you to raise that child. So, we in Ghana, we keep talking about grace. How are you? By God's grace. Everything, grace, grace. If you have a child who is difficult, it's your turn to practice grace. And you should be so gracious that you will love that child even probably more, knowing that it is not your duty to worry. That is God's work to get that child to come and submit him or herself to the Holy Spirit. Remember... Jesus had Peter, and Jesus observed that Satan, Satan, not demons, so Satan himself, had desired to sift Peter like wheat. What did Jesus do? He said, but I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. It only takes prayer. So now we are going to play a little game with the English language. Just go according to the flow of it, because if you think about it, you spoil the game. So one who teaches is called a teacher, and one who farms, a farmer, and one who lectures, and one who preaches, and one who sings, and one who dreams. By that logic, one who prays, okay, and one who worries. Are you a prayer warrior? Are you the type of mother who prays and worries? We are called upon as mothers to be prayer warriors. To be prayer warriors, not prayer warriors. Knowing that the battle is the Lord's and no amount of worrying can change the situation. Actually, it will change your looks. Okay? So please, to all the prayer warriors, please become prayer warriors. Leave it at the feet of the cross. The battle 
is the Lord's. Victory is sure. Whatever problem you have, please, because once at school, I had a gender uh, lesson with my children, my students, and they all said, mothers worry too much. And it's not a compliment. Christian mothers, please, let's stop worrying and pray and rejoice knowing that the person we are standing with has won the victory and it's just a question of time. We will see it. Hallelujah. Which I encourage you also to build up your faith because it takes faith and faith is a shield. So when the fiery darts are coming, today this, tomorrow that, it's your shield of faith that you raise. And you can only raise your shield of faith if the word of God is in your heart. So you quickly look for the appropriate scripture and you throw it back and it will quench the fiery darts of the evil one. Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You are sure of things you hope for. We're going to take a look at some influential women in the Bible. And if you look at the slide, the last person on the slide is you. I listened to a devotion the other day, and it said that the heroes of faith, the list is not exhaustive. The list is still being written, and you are the person on the list this time. So, when you read the Bible and you see these great people, know that today's Bible, you, 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 your name is on as one of the heroes of faith for standing firm through it all. Hallelujah. Let's start with Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And because of time, I cannot read the whole thing, but there is something that struck me as I studied and I want to share with you. Luke chapter 1, verses. 39, and it says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. She had just been given the news that she was going to bear the Messiah, and she was afraid. She was a young lady, so she decided to go to her mother for influence. Today we are looking at the influence of her mother. She decided to quickly run to Elizabeth. And by the time she had finished with Elizabeth, a young pregnant lady was ready to climb on the back of a camel or whatever it was and go through days and nights knowing that the Lord was with her. Be an Elizabeth. Be a mother that people run to with haste when they have a problem. And when they come through the word of God, Strengthen them so much that when they go back, no matter what challenges are out there, they will be able to stand firm, be an Elizabeth. And after that, Elizabeth told her, and blessed is she that has believed, for there shall be a performance of those things that were told her of the Lord. Those things that God has told you, there shall be a performance. So all you have to say, mothers, join me to say, my soul that magnified the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Amen. Amen. Be a Jochebed. Jochebed is Moses' mom, by the way. And at a time when there was a decree that all male children were going to be killed, Jochebed said, minus my son. Can I hear a mother here say, minus my son? Minus my, son. N minus my daughter. Let all the Hebrew women 
give their children, let them do whatever they will do, minus my son, minus my daughter. Please, if it has been said that in this family, nobody does well, what do you say? Minus my son, minus my daughter. If it has been said that within these people, there is nobody who goes to school and excels, what do you say? Very good. And minus every son or daughter that God has given to you. And you are going to influence those who are yielding to know that God is a redeemer. And the way he redeemed Moses is the way he will redeem your child from those prevailing circumstances. Amen. Amen. Oh, be a Hannah. Auntie Hannah. She was being taunted and teased. And she decided that she is making the decision now. She is influencing. She is saying that she knows what to do when she is tormented. She prayed. She prayed so much that uh, Ellie thought that she was drunk. That is a prayer warrior. When she was faced with calamity, she knew exactly what to do. She knew that she had to go to Shiloh. Do we have some mothers in the house going to Shiloh? To pray, oh yes, your Samuel will be born and he will be so great. Your Samuela will be born and she will be so great. Akwele will be born. Let's come home. Akosia will be born. Kojo will be born. And Kojo will bring glory to the kingdom. And Kojo will bring glory to the family. And Kojo Mami. Kojo will bring glory to your home as well. Hallelujah. Hey, be a Deborah. And for Deborah, I'd like to read something to you. Judges chapter 5, verse 3 to 7. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose that I arose as a mother in Israel. Today I'm calling on mothers here that you should be the Deborah. Until I, Deborah, arose. If something is going on, we need women who will not be afraid. Remember, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, but of love. So much love that you cannot keep quiet. Please do not say that this is the way it is done. Please do not say, who are you? Who are you? Who am I? I'm, I'm trembling as I stand here. But when the Lord gives you a task, he equips you and he enables you. And God has given you a task. Yes, you. You looking at me, yes, do not think that you are not influential. You're highly influential. You are highly influential in some sphere of life or the other. Don't be too comfortable. Open your eyes, pray, look around. And if there is something that is not going right and God lays it upon your heart, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love. So much love that you cannot keep quiet. So much love that you will say, I cannot endorse this. I want this to change. Because soon we are going to look at certain things in our society that must change. And it requires some courage. But some societies have worked on some of these things. 
And it has changed. And nobody is going to work on our society for us. And we are not calling for an uprising. We are calling for an awakening. We are calling for sensitization. For us to be sensitive to certain things. And not to endorse them. So that hopefully in 2050, 2080 for example. When Calvary is looking for a senior pastor. We will contemplate the possibility that it will be a woman. Hallelujah. Amen. So, as I talk about you, look at your past, look at your present, and think about what you can do in this society. How you, yes, you, the one I'm looking at, yes, how you can influence society. And God will lay a burden on your heart because, believe me, the fields are white. The laborers are few. And if you only avail yourself, God will use you as a universal mother. Amen? Amen. Influence has been defined as the power to cause people to think, to believe, and to behave in a certain way. In November 2013, Ex-President Barack Obama honored Oprah Winfrey with the Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian honor for being an influential person. It's not because she went to war and delivered America, but she received the highest award. What does that mean? That means that people who are influential need to be celebrated. And you, you may not be celebrated by President Akufuado or when ex-President Kufuor distributed the medals, maybe you didn't get one. But up there in glory land, you are being celebrated and you will be celebrated for being an influential mother. I charge you in all humility to go away from here dedicated to make a difference within your community. Indeed, this sermon was preached over a hundred years ago by Dr. James Emankweji Agri, who was a missionary, a teacher. He is the first African gender activist. And what did he say? He said, if you educate a man, you have educated an individual. But if you educate a woman, you have educated a whole nation. He wasn't downplaying men. What he was talking about was the influence women wield, yield, wield in the society. And what he was saying is that when women are empowered, they do not only touch their little homes, they touch the community and they touch the nation at large. Influential people rock the boat. Jesus was an influential person. Mandela was an influential person. Paul, an influential person. Now, I'm going to have trouble because I haven't put the name of any lady. But it is deliberate. You, you the ladies here, you should rock the boat. You are influential people. Say amen to that. So on my list of three, you are the fourth person. Put your name there as the influential person going away to influence society. Influential people question and challenge the, the status quo. That was Jochebed. She said, ah, we should kill all the boys. Me, 
my own kill my son. It doesn't make sense. Please, we have to question things. And through the Holy Spirit, which influences us, we have to decide on what to accept and what to reject. Influential people look for trouble, and as I have said, sadly, sometimes they find it. Influencing our children to believe. What do we want our children to believe? When children are young, you tell them everything and they believe it. As they grow, they begin to question. It is okay that our children will question. And maybe somewhere along the line, they will not agree with us or they will not toe our line. That is all okay. They have to find their own convictions. Christianity is not inherited. So, all you have to do is pray, pray, and pray. And in God's good time, what you want your child to believe, your child will believe. Till then, be your child's Bible. By the way you live, that's love, that's strength, that person that you are, your child will one day sit down and say, where does mommy find that strength? Where does mommy find such goodness and purity? Why is it that all around me I hear negativity? And when mommy opens her mouth, why is mommy so special? And then you will tell, it is not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And it's the Christ that lives in me that I share with you. And when you are the Bible of your children, they will come and see the God you serve and serve him too. You have to also teach your children that they are both he and she. They are created in the perfect image of God. And no matter how they come, remind them that they bear the image of God, which is perfection. It is very, very important, especially to our daughters. Let us let them know that as they are, they are perfect. Yes, if they get married, that's fine. Till they are married, it's fine. They are complete women. And let us stop asking our daughters who are quite old. So haven't you met anyone? So haven't you met anyone? So haven't you met anyone? As if they are defined. Who they are depends on whether or not they have met someone and married. Let us stop doing this. Our daughters are beautiful and perfect as they are. I pray that God blesses them with marriage. And if he does, that's fine. We will celebrate with them. And if he doesn't, that's fine. They have a mission. They have a talent. They have something to contribute to the world. Do not let them look down on themselves just because they are not married. Please, this is very important. And let us also teach our children to believe that men, all men, are created equal and worthy of respect regardless of their age. I sometimes hear people saying, you don't respect me and you think I'm a child. Huh? Children don't need to be respected. Then how will they learn to respect? Children need to be respected. And when you respect children, they gain confidence 
and they are not afraid and they look at people in their eye and they talk to them and this is how God would have it be. Remember, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me for such are the kingdom of God. So those of us who are used to treating children with disrespect, look at his head, look at your head and all these things, please let's stop it. We are eroding the confidence of our children and they have become timid and we think that that makes them respectful. No, they are afraid. We are instilling in them fear. And God said, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So let us, of course, we have to guide them. We have to guide them, of course. But please, let us let them know that they are lovely, wonderful beings created by God. And as they are, it's beautiful. And they are growing. And we want to see that flower unfold. And one day, oh, this young man, well, this little boy here will stand here, a young man. Oh, how beautiful. But as he is now, we celebrate him. And we watch God doing his work, the transformation through adolescence. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody is worthy of respect. We'll come to this. I'll, I'll leave this till we get there. We should influence society over the thinking that is in society. Because, you see, we are a peculiar people. Yes, we are Ghanaians. Yes, we are Nigerians. Yes, we are Togolese. Yes, we are British. Yeah. But Bible says, for those of us who have accepted Jesus, we are a holy nation. A royal priesthood and what I like a peculiar people so there are certain things that you're going to stand for which are unique because of who you are hallelujah so Christians are not necessarily influenced by society the good thing society brings we accept it but if society is bringing something and you put it against the word of God, and it is a little bit different, then you have to know what you are going to be influenced by. And if you do that, then you are going against the grain, and there may be consequences, but you should be prepared as an influential mother to take up the consequences for the sake of your faith. Amen? Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So the Christian mother is influenced not necessarily by culture and practices around, but yes, by culture and practices to the extent that they are acceptable in Christian practice. Amen? Okay, let's have a few examples from our society so that it's not too abstract. Ethnocentrism. This is something that has been in our community for some time, and unfortunately, it is still in our community, where some people consider themselves more Ghanaian than others. And true it is that when your child comes home to tell you, Mommy, I've met someone, most likely the first question you ask, where does he come from? Where does she come from? Because we have the compass, and this, dependent on where it falls, we know whether to say, hey, when is my in-law coming? Or to now let the adverbs flow. Well, in actual fact, as a matter of fact, 
admittedly, to tell the truth, well, yes, this should not go into the next generation. And I hope and I pray that we, the mothers of Ghana, we, the Christian mothers, will erase any mentality that we have that is not Christian and will be universal mothers. And we will stop this thing of this person is from here, this person is from there. Indeed, the sad thing about this thing is that once the person comes from another country, we take it at the national level. Oh, she's marrying a Nigerian. She's marrying a Togolese. Oh, British. The further away, the better. Oh, American. Oh, this. That one, we are okay. Oh, but the moment is from Ghana, we never say it's a Ghanaian. We want to know which part of Ghana the person is from. And that will determine whether we will like the person or dislike the person. I've been issue even before meeting the person, just because, please, ethnocentrism does not have to go into the next generation. And depending on what we mothers tell our children today, it will stop. It must stop. It is not Christian. Amen. There is a practice in our boarding school called, uh, generally called bullying, but more specifically called fagging. It has stayed with us for too long. It is the practice where seniors make the life of genius a little uh, uh, miserable. Um, using them as servants, it's, uh, it's, it's something that has stayed too long. And it is not African. It is not, what I mean by it's not African is that when you do a little bit of research on fagging, and I encourage you all, when you go, go and read about fagging, if you Google it, it will come. It was just a practice in Victorian British Empire when they had a class society and then they, they had the boarding school systems where the, the, the junior students had to serve the older ones. They have long abandoned it. They have long abandoned it. But in the colonies, we are holding on to it. How can we abandon this so that our children, when they become seniors, when the young ones come, they will say, hey, come, let me show you how the school works. Let me show you this place. This is love, a culture of love. When our, student, our, our children are going to form one, we are afraid because of fagging. It has to stop. And depending on what we tell our children, if it was done to you, did you like it? No, you wouldn't do it to anybody's child. And little by little, if mothers of Ghana talk to our children and let them promise us, let them tell us that when I become a senior, I will make sure that no junior is miserable. Why do you need to be saved 18 years, 19 years? You need someone to lay your bed because you are a senior. You, 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 you are a senior, so you don't sweep. You are living there. You are a senior. And then after that, you go to invest. Then you look for people to do the cleaning for you. Then after that, you marry. Then, hey, trouble. You are used to being saved. What does Jesus say? The son of man came not to be saved, but to seek and save, to seek and save. Work, work, work. Let us understand that there is dignity in labor. And let us not look for people to serve us, serve us. Paul, Paul, Paul said, I have become a servant. 
I have made myself a servant. Let us make ourselves servants. Let us decide to do things for ourselves. And let us stop that practice in our boarding school where because you are 19, form 3, somebody has to do everything for you. It is not right. Hey, mothers, the marriages, aren't they getting too expensive? In, 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 in cultures where the social welfare takes care of half the things, um, they even economize their marriage. We do two functions, and both functions are very, very expensive, and they get more expensive by the day. What are we going to do about it? How can our children marry? The traditional marriage ceremony, which is normally, I would think, meant to be symbolic. The young couple are coming to the parents to seek their blessings on the marriage. Now, it has become an ostentatious show of wealth. And our young men and women have studied each other. They have studied, studied, studied. They have got BAMA, PhD in each other, and they cannot marry because it's too expensive. Because the traditional marriage, I hear the list keeps getting longer. Is there a mother in the family? Is there a universal mother in the family? To say, let's just do it symbolic. You cannot pay, you cannot do anything. Just symbolic. So that our young men and women will not be indebted before they start their marriage. And now, after doing that one, and wait, please, can somebody explain the souvenir to me? Because the souvenir is also now, I don't know. I, I thought souvenir is something that reminds you of something. Maybe you go to America and then you pick Statue of Liberty. When you see it, you remember America. You go to France, you know Notre Dame will get burnt one day. So you pick a miniature Notre Dame and then you bring it. When you see it, you remember what Notre Dame was like. But now engagement to the souvenir. Ah, it will remind you that she got married. Uh, but why, why don't we choose something small, key holder, handkerchief? Okay, because it's getting too expensive and we mothers must talk and we mothers must look at this. And then for the wedding, after that, hey, feeding of the 5,000. Just at this time, it's not uh, bread and fish or buffet. It's getting too expensive. And please let us look at how we can do things in our society so that it's not too expensive. Because there, it's we, the women, who, 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 who exaggerate things. Normally, the men are cool on that. It's we, the women, who say, hey, a four, hey, hey, a four, hey, hey, four, hey. The other day I went here, I saw, the, hey, it's nice. You want, uh, we want our children to do it too. Let's, let's do things in moderation. If we are rich, it's by God's grace. So let's just do things in moderation so that more and more young people can get married and not only the rich ones. Amen. Amen. Professor Akosia Adomako, I salute her. She wrote an article. The title was and is, Are Africans Men of God Preserving Injustice Against Women? Now, I think she was courageous because sadly, sadly, some of the gender problems emanate from the church. Sometimes I hear sermons that I say, Ajay, because some of the things 
are not Christian. They are the person's own thoughts. And if more women would find themselves in ministry, they may make a difference. But sadly, sometimes it's rather the women in ministry who say things that are outrageous. I read a book that was to train marriage counselors. And then in the book, it was written that men should love their wives and women should respect their husbands. When you read it, when you look at it like that, you are not outraged. But you see, there is something called logical inference. There is something that hasn't been said. There is some information that is out there, implicitly stated, that the loving should be done by the men. They have to buy the gifts. They have to remove the money. They have to love. They have to do this. And the women should be passive recipients of the man's love. Now, women should respect, which means that respecting is not really the role of the man. So be careful what you haven't said when you say what you say. Because, oh yes, because I think love and respect are mutually inclusive. You cannot respect a person you do not love. Don't mix respect with fear. You can fear a person you don't love, but respect has within it admiration and honoring and placing value on. So, love and respect are the same, and they are not gender-specific. They are gender-neutral. All men should marry women they can respect. All women should marry men they can respect. Men should marry women they can love. Women should marry men they can love. This is what Christ teaches. Amen? Gender issues hurt society. They hurt men. They hurt women. Sincerely, I used to hesitate to talk about gender because I thought, oh, gender is about Beijing. Women don't want to submit. But that is not it. Gender is just looking at the roles assigned to males and females in society and speaking up so that it will be best done to develop the whole community and not one sector of the community. For example, in America, it used to be the case that only men were, went to medical school. So one day, a lady who was suffering from cervical cancer told her friend, Elizabeth Blackwell, that I have suffered a lot because all the doctors are men. And sometimes I cannot share, why don't you become a doctor? And then there were no female doctors, but she sowed a seed. Sometimes it is a seed I'm calling on you to sow. She sowed a seed, and Elizabeth Blackwell applied to go to medical school. Now at that time, they were all men uh, in, in medical school, and the vice chancellor decided to ask them. So at a meeting, he asked them, would you, what would you say to a woman being admitted? And the men thought it was a joke. So, he asked them, how many of you would like to see a woman amongst, a lady amongst us? And they all raised their hands, thinking it was a joke. Hey, we would like, we would like. Okay, the next semester, they saw Elizabeth Blackwell in their classroom. What is she doing here? You voted unanimously. 
If one abstained, it wouldn't be, this is how women became doctors. Now that lady, Elizabeth Blackwell, graduated, graduated, she suffered a lot, yes, but she graduated and she set up medical schools to train female doctors. And today, it is not strange to see a female doctor, but it started from somewhere. That is what it is. The power of the imagination. One lady dying sowed a seed in the mind of a young lady. That lady picked it up. And today, we have lady doctors all over the place. Please, if God lays something on your heart, influence society. There is a thinking out there that the man's money belongs to the family, but not the woman's money. This cannot be Christian. This cannot be Christian. We have to know. I, I'm not saying that our society is bad. I'm just saying that if you are a woman and you are also contributing to the running of the home, Ayeko, but then there are some women in the society who do not embrace this, and it is not Christian. We all have to know that we men and women have a responsibility to the family. There is a saying out there, behind every successful man, there is a woman. When you look at it, it looks quite innocent. But are there no successful women in society? Jesus said, in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Woman flesh, man flesh. So, it is the case that we should be careful what we teach the children. In Sunday school, we should tell them that within successful Christian men and women, there is the Spirit of God causing them to arise and shine and reflect the glory of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm saying this because women constitute 52% or more of the nation's population and in politics, in legislature, in the church, in tra among traditional leaders, there is an imbalance. It's only in education and media that you see a fair balance between men and women. Depending on what we teach the children, depending on what we teach the children, the society will change one day. I will end my sermon with a song which was written by Daniel March. Hack the voice of Jesus calling. And he says, if you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all. And I add, if you cannot do the big things to make and change the society in Ghana, you can, wherever God leads you, do your bit to secure a better tomorrow. May God bless us. May God himself bless us. We should influence. We shouldn't smother them. We shouldn't replicate or clone our children. We should remember that God gave us free will. And when Israel wanted a king, God didn't want it, but because he gave them free will, he allowed it. We should allow our children to make some decisions and guide them. And guide them. So when your child wants to marry someone, if you have objections, firm objections supported by the word of God, go ahead. But if it's just because you don't like his head, you don't like her waist, you don't like the, that one, please rally behind your daughter, rally behind your son, give them the, all the support. And like Elizabeth, influence to the extent that you have been influenced. 
influence only to the extent that you have been influenced by God. God bless us, mothers. May we allow the Holy Spirit to influence us more and more as we seek to make our society better. Hallelujah. Amen.